Remember? Remember? The 11th of December? I don't think that's how the line goes, but I do know that Charlottesville community engagement often begins with a non sequitur. That's a Latin phrase that I'm not even sure is commonly used anymore. The point is to remind everyone of the date, try to say something witty, and then tell you I'm Sean Tubbs, and I'm fairly certain I'll always ask why. On today's program, Albemarle County is seeking feedback through Friday on changes to its cell tower placement policy. Charlottesville City Council agrees to alter conditions in a three-party agreement that will allow the reservoir at Ragged Mountain to increase by 12 feet. Charlottesville plans to launch a new way to track snow plows should there be winter storms this year. And the chair of the University of Virginia's Buildings and Grounds Committee expresses concern about development in Charlottesville. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, 2023 is almost over and the Charlottesville Jazz Society has had quite the year. The community organization has begun a monthly jam series at Miller's on the final Sunday of each month and has also strengthened its partnership with WTJU, all in the name of raising awareness of what's happening. Sadly, this year the organization lost the ability to put out-of-town performers up for the night when the hotel that offered a sponsorship changed hands. So as the year concludes, the Charlottesville Jazz Society is hoping for new donors who might be willing to be hotel heroes to help continue the flow of talent who come to Charlottesville to play. Visit seavillejazz.org to learn more. Albemarle County is continuing to review many long-held policies that put a premium on the aesthetics of the natural world. One of them is a policy on how personal wireless service facilities are regulated, but that term is a little jargony. Yes, that's what we call cell towers because that's what the uh, federal code calls them. That's Bill Fritz, the county's development process manager at a recent work session of the Albemarle Architectural Review Board. The federal code that Fritz mentioned is the 1996 Telecommunications Act, which updated federal law, which had originally been crafted in the 1930s. Fritz said that soon after the 1996 act, there were many lawsuits across the country against local governments for restrictions placed on cell tower placement. Admiral County was actually involved in one of the very early lawsuits in, in the country, a federal lawsuit where we were sued by a provider and uh, we won. And that's an unusual thing. Fritz said that led the county to adopt an ordinance in 2004 that largely have required cell towers to be concealed in order to be approved. That had been called for in the 2000 Comprehensive Plan. All things being equal, a taller tower will, will uh, cover a larger geographic area. Um, and so often they want to get as high up as they can to cover the largest geographic area. There also is with the changing pieces of the spectrum that they're using, they've gotten to a, a portion of the spectrum now that is more impacted by water and by structures and leaves have a lot of water in them. There's currently a survey on Engage Albemarle that is open through December 15th, in which participants can review the proposed changes, which include allowing treetop towers to be 30 feet above the tree canopy, as opposed to the current 10 feet. As 
foresighted as the county may have been 23 years ago, time has now caught up with us. So the Board of Supervisors directed staff to hire a consultant and evaluate the, the wireless policy. So we've now been doing that. There would also no longer be a limit on the number of arrays attached to a tower, and there would no longer be any regulation of the size of equipment at the top. Fritz said feedback from the latest round will be taken into consideration in advance of a Planning Commission public hearing in late winter or early spring. That will be followed by a public hearing before the Board of Supervisors. A drought in 2002 created a planning process that sought to expand the overall water capacity in the community, and implementation is about to enter into a new stage. Lauren Hildebrand is the city's utilities director. The community water supply plan was completed in 2012. It was executed by the city, Almar County Service Authority, and Ravana Water and Sewer Authority. The plan called for the replacement of two aging dams at Ragged Mountain with one new earthen dam, as well as a pipeline to connect the reservoir with another at the South Fork Rivanna, about nine miles away. That would replace an existing water line from Sugar Hollow Reservoir to Ragged Mountain that is about 100 years old. Ratepayers of the Albemarle County Service Authority paid for 85% of the new dam, which was completed in 2014, but the pool was only raised to 671 feet above sea level. The cost share for the pipeline is 80%. This pipeline is in the planning process and uh, going to be constructed by, projected to be constructed by 2030. The agreement has conditions that determine when the reservoir's pool could be increased to its full volume of 683 feet above sea level. It cannot be raised until 10 years before the community's water demand equals 85% of the available water capacity. The additional 12 feet will allow for the storage of 700 million more gallons of water. For perspective, those on public water and sewer consume about 10 million gallons a day. The trails at the Ragged Mountain Natural Area were built at the higher pool level. Hildebrand said the increase is being requested for several reasons. Ravana, the city, and, and Almore County Service Authority staff have had multiple discussions about the changing climate and what that means to us in the utility world and our infrastructure. And, uh, you know, because it means more frequent, more intense storms. A concern regarding drought, it, it, we may have more frequent and more lengthy drought periods. The filling of the reservoir would not happen right away. Bill Moyer, the executive director of the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority, laid out the next steps. We'll begin the design to modify. We have to do some grading around Ragged Mountain Reservoir, and we have to modify the intake tower. Moyer said that could take about a year or so before a contractor is hired to make the improvements. Somewhat concurrently, around 2026, we expect to start the major pipeline from Ravana Reservoir to Ragged Mountain, which is the, the primary way that we intend to keep water in Ragged Mountain is through that pipeline. But, but we don't expect to finish that until about 2030. Moyer was not at the RWSA when the agreement was struck nor were any other members of city council. Here is city councilor Michael Payne. I still don't quite understand what is the reasoning for pursuing this change now. Is it specific economic development projects Albemarle's moving towards? Is it just 
a change in philosophy of the system should just have the theoretical maximum capacity possible. Moyer said other parts of the country and world are having record droughts, and RWSA wants to be prepared if there's an extended one here. Let's uh, be proactive and fill this reservoir that's already been built to accept the additional 12 feet. Let's fill it now within the couple years as soon as we can. Council voted 5-0 to zero to accept the changes. Residents of Charlottesville and Albemarle with a view of the mountains may have noticed they were covered with snow this morning, but urban and low-lying areas just experienced rain. Today, however, the city's Public Works Department announced there will be a new way to track snow plows if a future storm covers city streets. Here's a section from that press release. This new online portal uses automated vehicle location technology to provide current and historical snow route progress across the city. The onboard GIS-based technology will also enable the portal to display time durations for when a route was last serviced providing additional insight for residents to when and where they can expect to see snow plowing activity next. Access to the portal will be unveiled when it is activated during the next snow event. There's more information about snow and ice removal on the city's website. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, the organization Community Bikes has met its goal of distributing bicycles for both kids and adults in 2023. But with the holidays among us, the organization wants to express their heartfelt thanks to those who have kept bike donations rolling through their doors. Perhaps you're looking for a gift for someone. Perhaps that someone is looking for a new set of wheels. Consider purchasing a Community Bikes gift card so they can get rolling in 2024. To find out more and learn more about the recent donation of a new van donated by GEICO, visit communitybikes.org. University of Virginia's Board of Visitors December meeting has come and gone, but the Buildings and Grounds Committee began last Thursday with this observation from Chair John Now. The amount of construction going on is amazing. In my experience, when that much is going on at the same time, you need to have eyes and ears on it uh, more than normal. Now mentioned that UVA planning staff have recently weighed in on two large development projects that are under Charlottesville's land use controls, two projects that were deferred on December 4th. I'll have a story on that in a future edition of the newsletter. Now said other members of the Board of Visitors need to be paying attention to what local officials are doing. I would bet that the board is going to have to begin to become aware of what the city is doing and the impact on height, on traffic, and making our expansions in the future even more difficult and certainly more expensive. 
Charlottesville is set to adopt a new zoning code by the end of the year, which will allow additional height and development rights across the city. But a majority of councillors have said they want to restrict heights in entrance corridors to five stories until guidelines can be updated. One of those entrance corridors is Fontaine Avenue, a roadway that will be affected by more intense activities at the Fontaine Research Park. On Friday, UVA broke ground for the Manning Institute of Biotechnology in the Fontaine Research Park, which is on land bought by the UVA Foundation in 1986 after Albemarle County supervisors approved a rezoning for a shopping center. In the current day, there will be a new parking structure to support the Institute and other activities at the Fontaine Research Park. It's the biggest parking lot I think I've ever seen. The good news is it doesn't go up 20 stories. The consent agenda for the Buildings and Grounds Committee on Thursday revealed the extent to which the University of Virginia can influence land use in Charlottesville. The committee members approved the naming of a performing arts center to be built in the Emmett Ivy Corridor, to be named after the person who donated $50 million for that purpose. Here's Colette Sheehy, the Senior Vice President for Operations and State Government Relations. Um, the Performing Arts Center is a piece of a larger project that will also hopefully um, be able to accommodate the music department as well as the museums. They also approved the demolition of four structures in the Emmett Ivy Corridor on land that used to be on the city's property tax rolls. The University of Virginia Foundation has slowly been purchasing that land over time. The commercial buildings are on the site of the Karsh Institute of Democracy, and we're going to be moving forward with that project and site work for that shortly, so um, we would like to demolish those buildings. UVA does not have to ask permission of the city of Charlottesville to demolish the structures. If the foundation had controlled the land, the foundation would have sought that approval. More from the meeting of the Buildings and Grounds Committee in future editions of this newsletter. We're at the end of number 613. None of the components of the University of Virginia sponsor this newsletter, and I am certain I will never apply for a job there at all. But I believe strongly that UVA's impact on the community must be monitored and put into context. Each year, UVA is responsible for billions of dollars of economic impact, and the way its future goes will affect the future of Albemarle and Charlottesville. That's why I spend so much time on this topic. I did not go to UVA and sometimes wonder why I've spent 21 years in a company town in which I am a perpetual outsider. But here I am, and here I write, and hopefully these words are of some use to others. I do find it so interesting to be in this study of local versus state levels of government, especially when my own neighborhood now has property owned by UVA. I am trying to get this script done, so just imagine what usually goes here. Substack notes, ting. Uh, thank you to the guy who keeps telling me that my levels are wrong. Uh, that's okay, because it allows me to just uh, say hello, and uh, thank you, and goodbye.